Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dishing with Stephanie's Dish. I am Stephanie's Dish, Stephanie Hansen, and I'm here with Dennis Litley today for Ask Chef Dennis. And Dennis, you are like, uh, you're my dream, actually. You're like a phenomenon. And I just, I'm so excited to talk to you. You write tons of recipes. You have over a million subscribers on all your platforms. You are like doing exactly what my life has always been dreaming to do. And yet you've made this all happen. When did you start like the whole Ask Chef Dennis business? Because it is a business. It is. Oh, it's definitely a business. It has grown leaps and bounds, you know, more than I would have ever dreamed. I started blogging in 2009. And, you know, that was the beginning blogging. It was new. It was the wild, wild west. And uh, there was a set of elite bloggers and there was the rest of us. And uh, the elite bloggers would, would let you take a picture with them. But after that, it was peon be gone. You know, yep. it was, uh, and I told my wife, if I ever get like that, hit me in the back of the head as hard as you can. Because uh, I did not want to be that kind of person, you know. And, and, and that was something that kind of got my focus on sharing everything I learned. It's always been important to me to share what I learned. Because at that point, no one would give you the time. You know, they wouldn't tell you anything. Yeah. So I started early on and I've just kept that being very transparent about everything I do. I answer any questions. Um, I'm always happy to help people if I can. Uh, so, you know, I started that in 2009 and, and over a period of you know, the first few years were, were difficult. There were a lot, there was a lot of learning going on and I was still working full time. So you know, I, I, get home at like four in the afternoon from, from work. I'd, I'd go in at five in the morning and I'd get home and I'd have so much to do. And then I would try to make something and blog. And, and it was just, you know, I was getting four or five hours of sleep a night if I was getting that. Yeah. Uh, and what made you like, so you're, you come home from work and you decide like, I'm going to try to launch this thing. And at that point, blogging was like for fun, right? Oh and yeah. Podcasting wasn't even around video really hadn't uh, started to hit yet. And so you were just doing it because of your love of food or because you really wanted to like teach people how to make dishes. Well, it started out, I started a culinary program. The last job I had was at an all girls high school and I would have special events and you'd have to hire attempts and they were horrible for the most part. And I decided, you know, let me train my own staff. I says, I got these girls here that are brilliant. They're talented so, you know, I started a club and I ended up my first year with 11 freshmen and they were, they were just really like little sponges soaking up everything I said and they helped and they were, it, the, the club grew to just a monumental part of the school and they were very proud of it. In fact, when they had their reevaluation, they got two points of excellence and one was for the culinary team. Oh, that's I mean, awesome. I know, I know. I was just so proud of them. And, and I wasn't trying to create little chefs. I was just trying to teach them my favorite saying, food is not rocket science, you know, learn how to use it so you can feed your family and friends. That was okay. always my course of action. With so, that said, mm -hmm. if we just take a second and you're training these girls, are there like three things and maybe it's five things that you think like every person needs to know how to do in a kitchen before they move out on their own? Because so many people are just learning how to cook. I think the most important, the first thing you have to realize when you're learning how to cook is that cooking is, is love. I mean, it's a corny saying, 
cooking should be passion fueled because eating is an experience. And I mean, there's days that you eat just to put substance into your body because you don't have time, but you can't always live like that because you're, you're taking a lot of joy out of life. So you have to relate cooking <clears throat> to happiness and joy. And in order to do that, you have to cook food you like to eat. First rule, when you're learning how to cook, learn how to make foods you enjoy eating because that will make the process easier and a more joyful experience when you sit down to eat. A lot of times people say, oh, I've got to learn to make this. This, this guy says, this is how you make it. And, and I've got to learn to be a good cook. So I have to follow his recipe completely or I'm a failure. I'm no good. You know, and you make it verbatim and it comes out the way it's supposed to come out, but it's got something that you don't like to eat. So you don't really like it. So you just spend all this time trying to cook and you're not happy with the results. So adapt recipes. So the first thing you have to learn <clears throat> is how to put joy into your food by cooking things you like to eat. The second is how to source products, all right? Shopping shouldn't also be a difficult proposition. So like when I go into a supermarket, the first thing I hit, and I think they're all laid out. So you go into produce first. Right. Uh, uh, I look for what's freshest and what's local. Okay, those are, that's the produce I buy. I don't care what I'm even thinking about making later. First, I want what's freshest and what's local. And then there's things I always buy, like mushrooms. I always have carrots and celery in the house, onions in the house, potatoes in the house. But then I want to see broccolini, uh, the green beans looking good, uh, the, bro is the cauliflower looking good. Do they have any you know, purple and gold cauliflower I can play with? Uh, anything unusual, fresh, and local. Those are the three things. So then I buy that. So then I want to kind of match. Then I'll look through whatever they have for proteins. Now I buy a lot of them online now because it's easier and I get better quality stuff. But then you want to start thinking about what you like to eat. Everybody has to have a chicken dish and eat a night or a week because or two because it's the less expensive protein and it's easy to work with. It's very adaptable. I'm surprised that you just said you buy most of your proteins online. <clears throat> Is that because like you're buying from farms that you know are sustainably raising the, the meats that or the proteins that you're using or, or why do you primarily buy your protein online? Because they are so sustainable, <laughs> sustainably raising the proteins and they're allowing the proteins to be animals before they're, you know, go onto our, our table. I think it's very important to allow animals to be animals and to let them be in their natural habitat. You know, like the things we do to pork are just outrageous. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, and that was like the first meat that I said, oh, I can only buy humanely raised pork. That there's just no ifs, ands, or buts. And honestly, it tastes better. Yeah. Wild raised pro meats, you know, chicken, beef, sheep, um, uh, pork, you know, pigs, they all, when they're in their natural environment and they're allowed to forage and do what they naturally do, the meat's going to have a, 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 not a wild flavor, but a more natural flavor. Like one of the reasons I stopped, I've stopped, I went to organic or free range was because chicken stopped tasting like chicken. Right. And I'm going, if chicken doesn't taste like chicken, something's wrong. I think too, like it would seem on the surface that buying your proteins and having them delivered online doesn't seem like very economical or it doesn't seem very sustainable because they're shipped and all the other things. But 
it is interesting to think about because so many of these smaller firms now are co-opted together yep. and they have to meet certain standards and your, your food is coming to, it's being trucked to your grocery store. So right. whether it's being trucked to your grocery store or trucked by UPS to you, it's probably no different. Do you use like, do you ever like explore like Sitka salmon or do you use any of the um, oh, yeah. sustainable uh, proteins for fish? Oh, absolutely. I, I buy Alaskan salmon for the most part when I can find Copper River, you know, that is first and foremost, but if not, it's going to be, you know, and that's an interesting story too. I was a chef. I didn't like salmon. I cooked it a lot, but I didn't like it because I was always cooking Atlantic salmon. Just did not like the flavor, the smell, uh, the color, it's just not, nothing about it really. kind of gray. Yeah. You know, and it, it had a fishier taste. And it just never appealed to me, but you know, everybody loved it. So I cooked it and, all, and I, I cooked it in more ways known to man because I kept trying to like salmon. You know, I'd stuff it, blacken it, roast it, marinate it, you know, grill it. I mean, I was just pulling them out and people were going crazy because all the different things I did with it, but I never liked it. So then one day I bought sockeye salmon just because I did, because I knew we had to eat salmon. It was better for you. And I, I just didn't like Atlantic. And it was like, wow, this is different. Yeah. This, this tastes good. The color was outrageous. And that just right away, was like, oh my God, it's beautiful. Yeah. There's nothing better than just like a beautifully done piece of poached wild yeah. salmon. Yeah. I mean, you can do so much with it. And, and again, the key factor to that, which most people fail to understand is you need to undercook it a little bit. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes it's hard for people to grasp that concept that it's okay to eat it just a little undercooked. It does not have to be well, well done. You know, you're not going to get sick. You know, it's, as a it's country, fine. people are so terrified of getting sick from oh, yeah. food. And it's so funny because the things that you typically get sick from are like factory produced items. It's yep. not because you left your chicken on the counter for a few hours to get to room temperature before you cooked it. Yeah. It, it, or, you know, because you went to eat some potato salad that had been outside for an hour on a counter. It, you know, people just, I think, have this whole idea of freshness. And, you know, I'm a little less nervous about it than most people because my mom was a child of the depression and we would just scrape the mold off of everything and oh, yeah. clean it. Yeah. That, that's what you did. You know, cheese gets moldy. It's just the way that's what happens to cheese. Yeah. You cut the mold off and you go around it. You know, things you pull bad pieces out. It doesn't necessarily mean that the whole thing is bad. I mean, when something's bad, trust me, you know it. When you yeah. pick it up and that odor hits you, you just, oh, there's no way. You yep. can soak it in milk. You can do anything to it. But now at that point, it's gone. It's a foregone conclusion and just learn from your mistake and get rid of it. Um, so you start with, I'm, I'm kind of jumping all over the sure. place, but I love talking to you. You start with like blogging and this personal mm -hmm. love and you're working at a school. And at what point did you realize like that you could make this a business and be a content creator? Because that's kind of what you are now. You're yeah. using food as your platform, but you are creating just so much content. Well, it, it's, it goes back to the love of food. You know, there were so many factors. There were so many factors in my career that were pivot points for me. Uh, one, you know, when I went to the school, I thought, all right, I'm just being put out to pasture. Uh, my career is over. 
you know, really, I, I'm just going to sit in the office and play nice. And, and the food was so bad there. You know, it wasn't bad. It was bad by my standards. Let's sure, put it there. Sure. Okay. Institutional well, it, food. Yeah, it was. No, it, and, and the crew and the staff was wonderful. But, you know, I, I just couldn't sit there and watch them eating nothing but fried chicken fingers. The chicken fingers are good. I love them, but not every day. You know, okay, and that should not be the the one big choice they have because the rest of food is just not palatable, or or not not necessarily palatable, but what they want to eat. I remember going to high school, and it was such an upgrade because we had a salad bar. Oh yeah, like what a revolutionary concept! Give the kids some vegetables. I know. Yeah, and again, anytime you let them be part of the process, they tend to eat more of the good things. You know, which is which is wonderful. Luckily, I worked for a company that was very focused on health, you know, and I actually learned a lot more about different things working for them because they were so health focused. You know, it was a joke. It was like a quinoa aramanth and spelt. Oh, my. You know, it's like I didn't know what the hell those were. You know, in fact, I couldn't say quinoa properly. And I was in a Whole Foods and I looked around and there was a worker and I said, how do you say this? You know, she goes, quinoa. I says, oh, thank you. I was calling it quinoa, you know, yeah. <laughs> right? So, but I learned to cook healthier in terms of that. And I became more vested in the girl's health because they're young bodies that, that needed to stay healthy. So, you know, I, I came home with a vegetarian cookbook and my wife looked at me and goes, who are you? Because before it was, you don't like what I make? eat the vegetables, right? You know, no soup for you was my motto. Yep. Kind of thing. Uh, and I kind of became shit. I became the kinder, gentler chef, Dennis. So at the same time, my resurgence as a chef, my repassion started at night. Then I started the culinary program and I joined a, comp- a, a group of bloggers called Food Buzz, which was in the beginning. And they were an international group. And I had friends all over the world and I had readers all over the world. And I'm going, oh my God, this might actually be something that I could do to make right. money. That's when the, the idea first hit. And I think that was in 2010. That was pretty early on. Now we all had these aspirations of being the next pioneer woman, you know, being yep. the next best thing. And it, it doesn't work that way. You know, it rarely works that way. Uh, but you had dreams, you know, it was like, oh, you have to dream. You have to aspire to something. And I just kept writing, but, you know, working so much and having little time to do what I do, you know, even at the school, I had more time off than I ever had. Um, just, it was hard to, you know, do all the aspects to take good pictures. The light was bad. I tried so many ways, artificial light. I hate artificial light. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I tried so many different techniques and I'd end up shooting on weekends, mostly because I had natural light. And in New Jersey, you'd always didn't have good weather. So you, you did what you had to do. And sometimes the pictures were ugly as sin. Yep. But pictures weren't as important back then. It was not the primary focus. They Later on, they became a very integral part of, of uh, the blog. Of and it's funny sharing. because I think like in the beginning, you know, blogging was where it started. And then it really became this emphasis on photography as we saw like the rise of the Instagram. Yeah. And then with video, yeah. it has almost gone the reverse. Like it's better to do video and to be authentic and be yourself than to have almost these beautifully crafted, highly produced shots and videography. So it's bringing in a whole new resurgence of people that Mm -hmm. are like, Hey, I'm just making salad and it's, you know, I'm chopping it up and it's not cut very well. And 
I, I kind of like that it's democratized the whole process of making food again for everybody. Yeah. yeah. And it's almost a point of pride that the people say, you know, I'm not very good at this. This is what it comes out. Yeah. So, that, so they're like telling you, and again, that's, that's where I go back to. It's not rocket science. We're talking about food here. Right. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I worked with a culinary student and, and every dice had to be exactly the same size. But geez, I don't have that kind of time to invest in this, you know, you know or, or waste because you waste by, by making everything exactly the same size, you're cutting it down to a size. So you're wasting a lot of product. Right. You know, you can make it pretty or you can make it taste good. I go for taste good every time and, and hope to, to fix the plate up a little bit at the end. So it is pretty, you know. How many freezers do you have? I honestly, I had in, in, in Florida, I had one freezer. I had one big freezer and the freezer in the refrigerator. Okay, we just moved here full time and I don't have a separate freezer. I'm thinking of getting a cube. Yeah. Just just a small cube. You know, with anything, I don't know if it's a man thing. You give me space, I'm gonna fill it. Okay. <laughs> That's it's, how I feel about my freezer because I can't right. stand to waste anything. So, you know, like you mentioned vegetable waste, like you know, I'm making homemade stock and yeah. kind of think like a pioneer woman sometimes, like is this something that can be used? And, you know, I, I, the eggshells even like, I can just throw nothing away. You know, if you can, I was in sales too, for a while selling food in between being a chef, you know, the grass is greener. And my favorite restaurants were Greek run because they did not waste one single item. They had barrels for different scraps and, and the food was always good. Yeah. You know, it was not, always beautiful but it was always good and you always got a lot of it and they were such happy people to be cooking and i'm thinking boy they don't waste anything so like i will save like shrimp shells uh so i can make some shrimp stock or lobster shells things like that and one of the my big uh saves now is we love a good seafood soup and we eat we try to eat more seafood now yeah now i trim it or maybe we don't finish the piece of seafood. Huh, that salmon's a little expensive or that other fish I'm buying is expensive. So it goes in a Ziploc bag in the freezer. You know, we're, we're not serving it to guests. So it doesn't matter that we ate on it. You know, it's not like I'm, yeah. I'm making it. Although, you know, when you boil it, it's going to kill anything anyway. But, the, you know, if, if you feel bad about doing that, if it's just Dennis, your fat. I save my chicken bones and I make stock after oh, yeah. chicken, but don't oh, tell anybody. Absolutely. But, you know, you're boiling it. It's going to yeah. kill anything that remotely there's worse things coming from the grocery store than coming out of your mouth that's going to land on that plate for sure for sure but uh so i save all the little bits of of fish that we have and i make a a really good seafood soup and some fresh goes in there of course too to build it up but i'm not throwing away this freaking expensive seafood yeah and we're getting a delicious soup out of it at the end so it's the same thing with chicken like oh same thing every time i love I love rotisserie chicken. You know, I can cook my own, but I love a good rotisserie chicken. Yeah. But, it, but at the end, with it goes in the pot with water to cook all the stuff off the bones to make soup with. Yeah, absolutely. Now you have YouTube, you have Instagram. Mm-hmm. Are you getting into the whole TikTok scene? You know, I my granddaughter urged me to do it. I, I have a TikTok account, but I had one video on it. I, I was big in video when video was difficult. Yep. With Google Plus, there were so many bells and whistles and hoops you had to jump through. And 
I had, I, I would make a cooking video with two cameras, an overhead and, and a forward. And I was using two computers with two accounts and I was going live with it. And people were like, oh my God, how does he do that? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know any better. I learned like off the seat of my pants. So I didn't know I couldn't, I was using a, an app. At one point I was using an Apple computer and a PC and they were like, oh, they were appalled. Like, oh my God, he's insane. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but I'm going, it worked. I don't, I don't know. And that's kind of how I learned to cook. I didn't know any better. You know, I didn't know you couldn't do this and you couldn't do this. So I made it work. And when Facebook came out, I'm going, really, you just push a button and that's it. I was like, oh, hell, I don't want to do this anymore. It's no, you know, the challenge is gone. Uh, so I have been farming out my video work, but it, it's so hard to find someone that does it well. And so work. expensive. <clears throat> yes, that's the other thing, you know, and, and sometimes it's so expensive and it still isn't done well. And I'm like, this is making me insane. And lately, you know, <laughs> I get these videos that goes, let's not, did you look at my post? Did you look at what it's supposed to look like? Yeah. It's like, don't tell me you followed the recipe, but I want it to look like what I made. So I bought a set of cameras and I, I may, now that we're back here in Summers Point and the joy is returning. There's, like I said, there's different pivot points in my life. I was going to ask you about that because I just wrote a cookbook and it's my first, and I don't know if I'll write another one. I'm still in the period of like recovery mm -hmm. because all of a sudden this thing that you loved became a job. Yeah. And I have found that my love of the entertaining aspects and the sharing aspects of food has kind of been diminished. Yeah. And I think it's a period of recovery probably, and I'll get back to it. It's just, it's like, oh, wow. Just all that food cooking and all the photography yeah. and all of the thinking about it. Yeah. I kind of like just making an omelet and just eating it for the pleasure of eating it without photographing it or talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, it burned you out, the process. One of the reasons I've never written a cookbook, you know, I've been asked numerous times, and it was like, I, I don't want to give up two months of my life. You know, it's, it's not ever been on my bucket list. I want to write a book. I want to write a novel. But a cookbook, not necessarily, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's not something that's, that's something I need to do in my life. I, because, number one, you don't make as much money as you used to off of them. Oh no, it is not a money-making yeah. endeavor for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, and everybody is doing them too. So it's the prestige is still there. I mean, it's still a wonderful thing to do. And I applaud you for doing it because I, I don't have the tenacity or the will to do it. It's just, you know, and I always tell people, All right, maybe if I was younger, you know, but I'm re I've been retired and people won't let me retire. You know, it's like, you know, obviously, okay, today I'm going to do nothing. I might watch some Netflix. I might read. And then I get an email, uh, Dennis, we'd like to hire you to do this. And I'm like, ah. all right. And I, I, I quote an exorbitant amount of money and they write back five minutes later because that sounds great. Let's do it. And I'm like, oh. you know, that's good advice, though, because what I have found for a lot of women that I coach is they don't charge enough. Oh, no. So I'm like, you know, figure out what your real reach is yeah. and that's where you start and yeah you're not going to get as many jobs maybe oh no but by the time you're all said and done your income's going to be the same because you'll take fewer jobs you'll have more time you'll have yeah. more energy yeah work smarter not harder that's yep. always been the tenant you know and that's that's some of the things i cook like i don't make my own salad dressings because number one i love catalina dressing okay but I'm thinking like, there's so many good ones out there. I don't need to make my own. 
That's you funny. Know? Cause that's like the one thing I would never buy salad dressing, I, but everybody, yeah, everybody's yeah. different. Everybody's yeah. different. You know, my wife, she, she cracks me up. She makes her own when she makes, makes uh, a salad and I get my Catalina or a blue cheese and I'm happy as I, and I like mixing the two actually. Yeah. I make blue cheese Catalina. Uh, and it's just a matter of personal taste or where you think your time I would rather spend my time making a homemade soup or making a homemade sauce or making something than, than have to think about, all right, because I hate emulsifying dressings and I don't like dressings that separate. You know, it just, it's one of those things that is my pet peeve that makes me, makes me crazy. Yeah, uh, you know, I know, but it's, but it's everybody's different. And that's what makes, makes the world wonderful is everybody's different. Are you and, a baker? I love to bake. When the pandemic hit, my love for food came back. I, at that point, I was busy being a travel blogger because I found that people would send me all over the world if yeah. I heard about it. And I'm going like, we were in places and my wife would turn to me and go, who do they think you are? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Oh. We're, we're in, we're in a Escoffier, uh, an Escoffier restaurant in Lucerne, Switzerland, Bergenstock at this resort. And the chefs, I, you have to try this new caviar I got. Well, my wife dropped a little of it. When the chef went away, I says, you just dropped about $75. You know? Right. <laughs> you know, it's just a little bit. <laughs> but uh, and she's going like, oh, who the hell do they think you are? I says, huh? I'm good at what I do, evidently. You yeah. know, I, ha- I have a, I have a, long reach and that's what it comes down to and that's why they appreciate me because the followers but i was so busy being a travel blogger that i forgot about cooking we were going out to eat too much i was so tired at the end of the day pandemic hit and you can't leave the house that's when i started ordering online and uh all of a sudden i went you know i really like doing this i love to cook i think a lot of people discovered that out of necessity at first. And then it became a joy. And, you know, before the pandemic, I was writing and talking about food and radio show about food and mostly eating out. And I have to say, like, you know, being at home and cooking so much, and then now re-entering the whole dining out world. Yeah. It's changed so much. And the hospitality is so different, but also like my stomach. And just the way I feel physically, I can't eat out seven days a week anymore. No. I just don't feel as good. No, you know, you, know, you, you have no control. Uh, the, I think the biggest part of it for me is like you said, the hospitality, a lot of the hospitality is gone Yeah. because they're having such a hard time getting help. Yep. And, and it, it's like this, this big change in how people think i know i understand they weren't making enough money they weren't doing this right but you you chose that profession okay you either make it work for you or find something else and if you're not happy definitely find something else to do but the hospitality industry has suffered and they're trying to pull back I, i i thought you know a lot of places will close that were marginal and should have never been open in the first place you know ireland went through the same thing years ago yeah uh it's just this and working week to week makes as a chef and in business as a chef makes no sense to me. Yeah. You have to have six months worth of, of money put aside to a year for lean times. And if you're working week to week for paychecks to pay your people and to pay for your food, you don't belong in that business. I think too, we're seeing a contraction of the, the industry and that might be okay in that 
you were everyone is always going to want a dining experience and mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be fine dining experience no. it could be sitting at an oyster bar oh yeah you know but that's an experience that you can't replicate at home so there's that sort of side of the coin and then there's sort of what we'll call like speed eating fast casual just yeah. i can't cook it at home i don't have time so i want some sort of something prepared for me and and then there's like foods people can't easily cook at home like the fried chickens the right. burgers right. the pizzas you can make all that stuff but it's usually not as good as if you get it's it not in the, the same yeah, yeah it's not the same so we're having like three categories of like experience dining super fast casual and then like the things in between and you know i'll go out for pizza because yes i can make pizza at home but i usually don't i'll go out for fried chicken or there's sometimes nothing better than a burger because i'm not going to make fries oh yeah and i love fries but it is changing i think the way that we see food because it's just more expensive it's also less hospitality so that experience is really different but it is interesting to see and the contraction of this industry will that lead to the explosion of others i don't know well you know i i think so i i think the world is changing and as it changes, there's going to be new discoveries and, and things to do uh, to, to offer us experiences because, you know, we love experiences. People love experiences. Uh, food is a major part. You know, I sometimes I think we need to go back to more of communal eating, you know, yes. uh, you know, and just sit you next to strangers. You know, although now with COVID, you're very wary of that. But, uh, but, you know, sit you down next to strangers like you do in Europe a lot of yeah, times. Yeah, it always know? felt very European to sit at a picnic table with people you didn't know and yeah. have experiences with new people. Yeah. I, I like that idea, too. Yeah, but more, more you know, again, more communal. If, you know, if the world, I, I think the world's becoming safer. I think COVID has evolved into a bad cold, you know, which is then we can get back into living the way we're. But so many types of businesses will never re re reopen again. So many things will change about what they do. And again, with the lack of help and uh, everybody's looking for cooks now because yep. the cooks, you know, and, and again, also in the seafood industry, so many of the young fishermen left the industry yep. and will never come back. You know, it's, there's so many things that are changing because of that. I think that the world will have to adapt to new ways of doing things. You know, I, I loved before it hit, you know, the big resurgence or, or the big push on, uh, farm to fork or, or these, these, I like to call them yuppie chefs in the back with the open kitchens and they all had beards and, you know, yep. but they were, they were great. They were, they cared about where they were getting product from. They cared about what they were serving you. They had pride and they were happy to let you see them. They had nothing to hide. I, I thought that was the best thing in the world. So I don't know if we'll get back to that again, or, or if those guys are losing out or whether what, what we're going to turn into. It, it just, I think it's a work in progress. And I don't think anybody really knows. Yeah. And I, you know, you'll adapt, right? Yeah. That, adapted with everything. So you, you do. That's the big thing. You know, you adapt. And if you don't, you know, it's like I said, I always say adapt or die. That's kind of harsh. But, you know, uh, you know, you, you can either get over it or you can lay down and die. You know, those are your two choices. Just like, you know, a friend of mine was complaining that his, his stress test came back and he had no problems. He goes, but I'm always tired. I says, well, you're getting old. I says, 
you got two options. I said, you get older, you don't. <laughs> I said, yeah. getting old sounds pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Dennis, where is the place that you want to, when you think of how you want people to consume your content, where's your mm-hmm. favorite place to direct people? My blog. Okay. So uh, still Ash- writing. Yeah, still writing. AskChefDennis.com. You know, and, and my focus, my mission, if you would say, is to demystify cooking. Yeah. You know, it's not, again, it's not rocket science. And, and like I said before, learn to cook with foods that you enjoy eating. You know, bring some joy into your kitchen. Once you feel a little confidence, then you can go out of your comfort zone a little. But first, make those foods you, you know you like to eat. Like I always go back to chicken parm, you know, I, and I gauge, like if I go to an Italian restaurant, I don't know. I gauge them on chicken parm. It's crazy. If they can't make chicken parm right, I'm not going to order right. something fancy right. from them. Um, but it's 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 just doing that and get that joy you need that joy and then start sharing that joy with your family members you know have your significant other or a friend come in and cook with you or get the kids involved because again once you get the kids involved they're more likely to eat what you make you know it's it's part of the whole process um you asked me if i like to bake i love to bake but during the pandemic, I started to tell you I was baking too much. Yeah. And, and my, my blood sugar went and I got my blood sugar and went, oh no, with everything else, I am not going to be diabetic. So right. I, I now farm all my, I have my, all my grandmother's recipes and some other recipes that I, I haven't made for years. So now I have a photographer who makes them for me and takes pictures and she's young and her family's young so they can eat yeah. that stuff That's without right. any, without any issues. Uh, what is, is there a, a, a recipe on your website that like gets the most traffic? Yeah, well, it used to be tiramisu. Yeah, I, and it still is uh, my probably biggest performer overall. But it, you know, it, it was number one forever. Uh, it's a, it's a very simple recipe. It can actually once you get it down, takes about thirty minutes to make. The hardest part is mixing the sabayon, the eggs and the sugar over like a double boiler. Once you get that mastered, boy, and that opens up a lot of other desserts too, mousses and things. Yeah. Uh, but the tiramisu has always been the biggest performer. And uh, it's, I think I have over a thousand comments on it. You know, wow. it's, yeah, it's, it's insane. Uh, I get letters about it from people all over the world. You know, it's crazy. I, I the one that... <clears throat> The one that made me the happiest was I got a letter from a woman, and I think she was in Norway, and she said, my grandfather's Italian, I made your tiramisu, and he cried. Oh, sweet. Yeah, you know, because it reminded him so much of home, yeah. and it was like, you know, that was like, oh, man, this is this is what I live for. When I get yeah, a comment like sure. that, you know, my husband hates seafood. I made your swordfish. He loved it. Said it was the best thing I've ever cooked while he's, we've been married for 26 years. That's awesome. You know, you know, and things like that give you the joy, gives you the joy back. So you want to create more content and share yeah. it with people and show them it's not hard. You know, again, source your ingredients, learn a few techniques that'll help you cook it like a chef. And it's, it's not difficult once you learn those few things, you know, and, and it shouldn't take all day. You know, most yeah. of my recipes are under 30 minutes, most of them, you know, and, and if it's something's got to simmer or roast for hours, once you prep it, you're done, you know, it's right. in there, you know, it's not like there's a lot of time that you got to do things with, uh, you know, everybody loves their slow cookers and you know, the air fryers the and their instant pots. pots. And if it works for you, wonderful. Yeah. keep using there's a lot of ways to adapt my recipes to that and sometimes i'll even tell you how to do it i bought each one of them 
I used them, I learned how to use them, and then I sold them all because I didn't want them. <clears throat> because you have I'm a convection oven, you have an air fryer, right? Yes. If you have a slow cooker, you have um, I don't know. I, if... I have a Dutch oven that works. Yeah. Wonderful. I love my I bought a Dutch oven from Meeson. I actually have two of them because I love them so much. Best Dutch oven I've ever owned, and you can make everything in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's simple, simple techniques. Just and just because you can cook it that way doesn't mean you should cook it that way. Yeah. I, yeah. I use my instant pot a lot, but I've refined what I use it for, yeah. you know, mostly grains, beans, fast yeah. cooked, hard boiled eggs, yeah, a things bit that of you doing can... or curries, but yeah. And, and again, if it works for you, you got a method for it. All I'm all for it. Anything that makes your life easier and, and gets you cooking more is good. Yes. Dennis, we're with Dennis Litley. It is askchefdennis.com. He has a multitude of platforms that I'll put in the show notes for you. Dennis, thank you for being my guest today. It was fun to talk to you. Oh, my pleasure, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we'll talk soon. And when I get my cookbook done, I'll send you a copy. Oh, please do. Thank All you. right. Bye-bye. Bye.